Hey contractors, welcome to the Contractors Playbook. I'm your host, Michael Gogan, and on this podcast, we will be talking with experts in the industry in failures, successes, and lessons learned. I'll be joined in studio by our producer, Isaac Moore. Uh, another great conversation we just had there, Isaac, uh, with Benji Carlson from Breakthrough Academy. Yeah. And we talked a bit about a very time issue mm-hmm. of the job landscape that we're in right now. And Benji just had some really great insights for, for contractors and how they approach hiring and retaining great talent in uh, today's job landscape. Right. And I think it'll probably challenge a lot of listeners out there to like, you might need to rethink in your employees, how you target people, how you list your jobs. Uh, it's just a different market and it takes a different approach. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think that's the biggest takeaway I had was that you're going to have to look in the mirror when you listen to this and you're going to have to ask yourself, are, are we doing some of the things that he said are the good or are we doing a lot of the things that yeah. he says are the bad? Um, I think there's a lot of great nuggets that you're going to be able to take from this. right in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Contractors Playbook. Uh, we've got a we've got a different style guest today, and I'm really excited about uh, this interview and this conversation that we're going to have. Uh, very, very think uh, in today's uh, job markets and for contractors, I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. Uh, today, I'm joined by my friend Benji Carlson with Breakthrough Academy. Benji, thank you for taking. Jumping on with us. It's my pleasure, Gogan. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So this is, uh, like I said, this is going to be a little bit different conversation than than we maybe typically have on the Contractors Playbook because Benji's not currently a contractor, but I th- what we're going to discuss with Benji is so valuable for contractors that I, I'm super excited for this. Benji, uh, I set the stage that you're not a contractor and today. Um, why don't you just give us that elevator of, of you know, on a day-to-day, kind of what Breakthrough Academy is. And I think that'll really set the, set the stage for us to dive into this conversation. Sure. So Breakthrough Academy is uh, like we systemize contracting businesses for growth. You could think of it as like a coaching and consulting company that works very specifically in the construction and trades uh, roofing space. We work with about 450 business owners that are, their companies are growing quickly and they themselves, the entrepreneurs, like they're, they're, they're at the stage where they really need to build infrastructure into their business. They need systems. Um, uh, and for, for a lot of entrepreneurs, that's something that they need some hands-on help with. And so we've got a whole team of coaches. We've got a amazing content library like we sort of we sort of make systemizing a business for growth as easy and as fast um, as possible so that's what breakthrough academy does my role there is very much on like the sales and marketing side of things i spent the last five years just um, doing what we call business assessments which is like a really thorough meeting with an entrepreneur who's interested in doing breakthrough academy where i essentially grill them on their business and ask about their financials and their team and their long-term strategy and their marketing tactics and their training systems, like everything. Um, and I just make sure that the business owner and then the business itself is is ready to take on the challenge that is Breakthrough Academy. So I think I've done like, 
nor- definitely north of a thousand assessments, north of two thousand hours, just in meetings, listening to contractors, taking notes, and, and making decisions on on who we want to work with versus who maybe isn't quite ready yet. So, really quick background on me. Yeah, I love it, and I I love how you talk breakthroughs goal is to help help these contractors grow grow their business and grow it efficiently um and it fits really what i want to talk about today perfectly because we are in a very unique labor sh- market I, I don't want to say shortage i'm how do i want to phrase it everybody's hiring right now mm-hmm. and there's maybe not enough workers out there mm-hmm. there are workers i think if you do things you know the right way and i i think that um out people, I can't grow my business. I have mm-hmm. to have people. Um, how how are you guys seeing the you know last twelve to twenty four months um, the current job market for contractors? Like how is you know, being viewed from your guys' angle? What are your contractors telling you? Um, they're they're telling us that it's that it's very challenging, and and we hear all the same things that that you guys would and. Um, there's certainly a fairly, um, familiar and common feeling of there's no good people. Um, uh, this is a lot harder than it used to be. Um, where did all of the talent go? And, you know, to your point, like, like how were we feeling over the last 12 to 24 months? Um, the, the the research and the reading that I've done on this actually suggests that this that this talent shortage, if you want to call it that, um, this goes back a lot further than people realize. All the way back to the two thousand and eight sort of financial meltdown that we had here in North America, but globally as well. So I'll t- I'll tell you. A re- I'll just kind of give you a bit of a backstory on on this, at least my perspective on how we got here, Michael. Um, in two thousand and eight. Obviously, like, you know, the, the economy imploded, um, we had this, this housing market crash, the banks stopped lending, and that resulted in about a 70% decrease in new construction starts. And we're going back like 14 years now. So some people remember that some people that are listening weren't even in business for that, that chapter, but that, that did happen. And what that led to was about 1.5 million people. Uh, construction workers, 1.5 million construction workers leaving the sector to either go get jobs elsewhere or retire. Right, so that's a that's a huge knock to the system, a big shock to the to the talent pool that we had um, in the t- in the ten years between 2010 and 2020. What we saw is construction jobs slowly recover. There's a huge stimulus package that um, Obama signed off on in 2009. Things started to get rolling again. And if you look at this on a graph, what you'll see is right at 2020, um, we had essentially recovered. We were at about the same level of of construction workers um, available as we were pre-2008. And then 2020 comes, and we all know what happened. We have the, we have the COVID pandemic. Um, we and so so we lost another million employees in like right off the hop, very very quickly uh, over a matter of weeks in about March of 2020. Now it should be it should be stated that um, construction 
um, was deemed essential. You'll remember that like early on in the pandemic, we, we sort of got given the green light to go back to work and resume. And there were some rules in place and things we had to do to be more careful, but compared to say hospitality or travel, uh, you know, restaurants, uh, a whole host of other industries, we were sort of quietly said, Hey, you guys can get back to work a lot earlier than other people. And so what that meant is, um, about 80% of those million that lost their jobs at the beginning of the pandemic returned, but 20% didn't. And I think the exact number that I looked at was we're, we're down, we're still down about 238,000 workers compared to pre pandemic levels. So if you're trying to like, if contractors are out there like wondering, Hey, like, how, you know, what the hell happened? It didn't used to be like this. You know, those are two huge shocks to the system that really can't be ignored if you're trying to understand this. And I'm always a big fan of like actually understanding a problem before you go and start trying to solve it with tactics or strategies. Like just the, the backstory matters a great deal. Um, while all this has happened, right, um, over the last 14 or so years, it's also really important to remember that a, a talent market, a labor market, functions like any other market that we know, right? There are supply forces, demand forces, there's a price that moves around. You can look at this through the lens of a economics 101, you know, classroom very, very easily. And so there's a few other features to this market that I think need to be understood. First of all, we have an aging workforce. In 2014, um, we the average age of a construction worker was about 40.5. In 2021, that is up to 42.9. So that's nearly two and a half years. The mean has moved up nearly two and a half years over a, a seven-year period. That's that's pretty significant. Um, and there's reasons for that. I think a really obvious one is there's been a huge decline in shop classes in our education system, right? Like you remember going to high school Michael and being able to do woodworking or automotive or go to metal shop, right? Like these very like mm -hmm. tradesy, um, hands-on type classroom environments that were available. Those have been defunded or scrapped altogether in large swaths of our public education system, which I don't think was a very good idea. Um, there's also a huge amount more options for young people to look at when they're thinking of starting the career and entering the job force, there's a very common trend I noticed that sort of happens when people talk about the labor market and then the challenges with it, which is essentially just like bashing young people. Millennials suck and Gen Zers are the worst and they just stare at their phone. And it's like, you're essentially writing off a cohort of 70 million people just saying that they're terrible. And that's the reason you can't build your team, which I think is a huge cop out. And we can get to that later. Um, the reality is like the, the economy has proliferated. The choices that they have are more widespread. And I feel that construction and trades roof, like just contracting in particular has not kept up with the times when it comes to their employer brand, the recruiting and hiring systems, um, et cetera. Um, so uh, anyway, those are some reasons that we have a decreasing talent supply, right? If you're looking at this on a, from an economic perspective, like there are fewer people to choose from. That is true. Um, um, COVID-19 has made that especially difficult more recently, sort of some, depending on where you live, there's been policies or money made available for people to stay at home or not work. And I think people are experiencing a certain like lethargic workforce, 
Um, now, while that has happened, the talent supply has decreased, we've seen an increase in demand for it. Unprecedented stimulus because of because of COVID-19. I think the number I found most commonly is $9 trillion with a T in spending, in stimulus. Um, it's about like 20 to 40%. No one really knows, but it's a huge percentage of the USD money supply was printed in the last two years. Prime interest rates have been held at an all-time low. And while that's happened, travel restrictions, border closures, a close down of like restaurants and, and bars and, and things to do, all of these places where you normally would spend your disposable income have been taken away. And what that means is that while homeowners have gotten more wealthy because of the stimulus and because of what's happened in the stock market, there's been a pent up demand that's pressurized construction, um, home renovations, stuff like that. People are hunkering down to get through COVID and all of that money, I know a lot of our listeners will have felt this over the last two years, has gone to them. There's, we've had this COVID boom sort of event, which is bizarre. No one could have guessed that that would happen. But um, that that is essentially what has happened for, for home service companies, contractors, etc. And so what that means for a labor perspective is that literally anyone with half a brain and steel-toed boots is employed already. And so if you're, you know, if you're listening to this going, man, I really, I feel the pinch, like those are some big things to be aware of as to why. Yeah. And I love how you set that up because I'm a, I'm a big believer, Benji, and this exactly how, what you be able to understand the problem before we can go out and try to solve it. I, I think that there's two, like there's multiple angles that people take at this one is that they maybe do take that approach and they understand the problem and i can we can feel sorry for ourselves and be like well poor us like we're down 200 i think what did you say two hundred thirty-four thousand workers it's yep. it's poor us um or they cannot understand the problem at all and just be like well we just got to keep turning and burning and hopefully we'll figure this out and we'll get and i would honestly say that neither of those is the right approach. I think I love understanding of the problem, but then let's talk about after I've understood the problem as a contractor, how can I start to compete with some of these other jobs? I, I love the TikTok analogy or the Twitch or these streamers. And mm. you know, you get, you get a contractor talking about that and it's, man, these people are making hundreds of thousands of dollars doing this or doing that. And, and they hate it. But at the, they would do it too if they could be making money that way. Like it's it's the new thing. So we have these new employment opportunities or revenue streams that we have to compete with in this this contracting world. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. What what should we as a business keep in mind when we're trying to hire during this shortage? And what what does truly matter today versus maybe didn't matter five years ago, ten years ago um, in the hiring. Uh, it, it's, it's a great question. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer it in a, in a couple different ways. Uh, the, the first thing that I, I want to make abundantly clear is you, the mind, you, the mindset you have around this as an entrepreneur matters a great deal. And, um, I have been bringing this up with a lot of our members. We talk about it on our podcast. Uh, you, you need to separate facts from stories okay so a fact is the pool of people you have to choose from is relatively smaller than it used to be yes you are going to need to work harder to attract and hire talent 
you know, this decrease in supply and increase in demand has pushed up the price of labor. You will have to pay more. Those are facts, right? Stories are like, no one wants to work and millennials stuck. And, you know, the government has ruined the work workforce and COVID-19 is, has like ended the world. Like those, those are stories. And they're, I, they're seductive to sort of let your mind go there on some level they're comforting because they externalize the problem and sort of release blame from you. But if you spend too much time in the stories and not the facts, you shoot yourself in the foot before even starting to solve this problem. So that needs that. I, I got to say that, like if you, if you want to fix this problem, you do need to believe that there are still good people out there, which there are. You do need to believe that the, 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 the job that you're offering is, is compelling enough and good enough that you can attract them. You need to believe in your leadership and your vision for the future. And, and that, and that people want to be a part of that. You, you have to. So if you don't, if you don't have that, you know, throw up a for sale sign and just, Get out, of, get out of business right now. Like this is, it's not, you know, you're, you're dead in the water. So that's the mindset piece. Moving more tactically, um, there's, there's a couple, there's a couple things I, I would bring up, Michael. The, the first is, um, you know, what these other sectors have, um, big tech, um, uh, like a lot of startups, a lot of online work models, um, uh, like, like if you think of the, uh, the industries out there that, that construction is losing the talent war to what they have done, which we have not yet is they've invested really heavily in their employer brand. Right. So, and so just to define that for listeners, like your employer brand is the value proposition you offer to the labor market, right? Like what, how is a worker better off for choosing your business as their chosen place of work rather than another? What do you offer them, right? And there's a hell of a lot more than just pay that goes into that, this employer brand concept. So while other industries are building sexy landing pages, they're creating employee-focused video content, they've invested in recruiters, they've dialed in their interviewing system, their onboarding and training is perfect, they have benefits and, and all sorts of packages they offer on top of the wages, um, there's a career path for them to grow through, uh, the list goes on, right? I'm going to, I'm going to hazard a guess and say 90% of contractors are still sadly just going like, well, it's 22 bucks an hour and you work really hard and I'm going to make a job posting and we're, we'll put it on indeed. And then fingers crossed my dream candidate is going to, is going to walk in the door and they don't. Um, so there's a, there's a, a level of just like being a bit behind the times I think that, that we're suffering from, and it's not too late. We can absolutely catch up. A lot of, a lot of the members we coach Michael absolutely have, we have 450 businesses in the program for many of whom this is not an issue. Like they've fixed this in their business and it's, it's yep. because they've invested in their employer brand. Um, and, and, and what they offer appeals. I want to be really clear about something because I sense this with, with business owners, particularly like, like older ones, I would say Gen X and baby boomer, like owners have this, this sort of like downtrodden. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily feeling sorry for themselves, but they sort of feel like what they're offering is of no value C like compared to, you know, you use the example, like, well, like 
they can make a million dollars a year on Twitch and all these people are digital influencers, whatever you call those. And they're all rich. Like, what do I have to offer? It's like, those are total unicorns. Like if you're thinking that everyone is making that kind of money online, they're not. And what you offer is a great opportunity to work with your hands. You can get ahead if you work, if you work hard, um, you can develop. It's very rewarding work. Um, you know, th this idea that construction is sort of like this dying thing is totally a farce. Like we have a lot of buildings to build and fix yet. Um, and, and what you offer as a career is a really, really great one. So it's not the thing you're offering. It's the way you're communicating it. That's really suffered. And so, um, that that's sort of like my bit on, on employer brand and where that's missing. The other thing that, um, we do a lot of in Breakthrough Academy is, is we actually build a hiring funnel. So this is like a, this is a piece of infrastructure that allows you to attract, um, that allows you to attract uh, workers, uh, applicants in a much more predictable way. So that has to do with the ideal candidate profiles you build, how you write your job postings, where you post them using paid ads, um, like improving your actual salesmanship through the recruiting funnel so that the A players that you want, that you need are attracted to you. Um, uh, it has to do with the way that you implement a behavioral interviewing system. There's a lot that goes into it. And if, if we can go deeper on any part of that, if you want, but, but it's like working on your employer brand, number one, and building out a hiring funnel, number two, um, that was long winded, but that that's how we're seeing the people who are solving this. That's, that's how they solve it. We're going to take a quick break here with our conversation uh, with Benji Carlson. We'll be right back. This episode of The Contractor's Playbook is brought to you by CompanyCam. CompanyCam takes the hassle out of managing your different softwares and systems. It's easy to plug in your existing CRM, invoicing software, and more. Try it free, no card required, at CompanyCam.com or download the app in your app store. We are back with the Contractor's Playbook. Here is your host, Michael Gogan. Yeah, absolutely. And that, so in getting ready for this conversation, I did some research on my own as well. And there was one stat that just kept like standing out to me. And it, you you basically just talked about said there about, you know, building that employer brand. Mm -hmm. And the stat I had was that a recent survey, 86% of millennials say pay is not the number one motivator for them and what they're going to do with their, you know, for their career. Such a wild number. And then they top that or add to that with 9% of workers over 50 say that pay is not the number one motivator for them choosing their career. And so there has been such a shift in different generations and not saying all but a good majority of people making these hiring decisions probably are in that close to 50 range like maybe they're in their you know mid 30s to to 60 range like the mm -hmm. business and if pay to them is that number one motivator and they're trying to hire millennials get that you know new talent and they're saying to themselves pays pay is what these people want mm -hmm. it's truly not and i loved some of your things there that is important. They have to be able to live. But you talked a lot about, you know, the other things that mm. make make your j job so fulfilling. Um, 
let's dive into that recruit a little bit because you you kind of touched on it. You know, you you talked about the sexy landing pages and not just using Indeed and crossing your fingers. I love that analogy because yeah. we, you know, I think every contractor can relate to that. They've all been there at some point in time. And you referenced the fact that a lot of, if not the vast majority of breakthroughs, you know, contractors, they've already fixed this problem. So not only am I competing against these other trade trades out there the, and these different things, but I also have to be able to compete against the best contractors in my space to be able to get that hmm. best talent. So how do I get in front of that talent? Um, I, let's start there. And then once I've gotten in front of them, I'll what some of that messaging looks like because again, $22 an hour um, with dirt on your face probably isn't going to be the, you know, it's an image of a guy dirt on his face, sweat pouring down, just looks like he, you know, went to war and $22 an hour come work for us. Like that's probably not the right messaging either. So let's break those two things down. How do I get in front of the right, right people? And then what messaging once I've gotten there, do I need to focus on? Um, I'm going to, I'm just jotting this down because I have a tendency to go on tangent. So it's how do I get in front of, and then what kind of messaging? Um, so on the, how do I get in front of peace? A lot of people, when it comes to recruiting, I find are looking for this, like this magic pill, the silver bullet. There's like this idea that there's one thing that they're not doing that if they did it, it would solve the problem. Or like there's this one website that they haven't heard of where all the good applicants are applying. And it's like, no, man, like it's you're like it isn't one thing. It's going to be 12 little things that you do in unison that start to move the needle, build some momentum um, and fix this. So there, I, I don't have like, oh, go do this and the problem solve. I can give you like. I can give you a smattering, a collection of little tactics um, that that do seem to work. Um, so, a, a, okay, I'll start here. Like a, a really obvious one would be to implement an incentivized um, employee referral system. So, uh, a good hire is worth probably a lot more than you realize it is. A thousand dollars minimum could go up to three or to five grand for like a good hire that you're looking for. And so what a lot of our members have done have actually set up a structure and you can rejig this in a million different ways. It depends on the size of your business, the budget you have to work with, the roles you're looking for. But essentially, I'll give you a super basic one is you, um, you know, create a one page document that describes the system. And it was, it's essentially, Hey, if you as our employee bring us one of your friends, your colleagues, your family members, whatever, um, and they get hired and they make it through their three month pro probationary period, um, that, you know, once they hit that day in the calendar, we will give you the person who referred them a thousand dollars or $1,500, you know, uh, some people do it in a recurring model. So it's like for every month the person works, they get a little kickback. Again, you can get creative with how you do this, but just telling your staff, hey, we're really busy. If you know anyone that wants work, let us know. That is not a system. Creating an actual structure, incentivizing it properly, and then reinforcing it, remind like bringing it up in meetings and reminders a whole throughout the years. Um, the way to do it. And what you'll see is six months later, you will have this little recruiting force working for you. Um, 
another simple tactic would be like a Facebook messenger strategy. Once you have that uh, referral system in place, you get your team together, you create a templated message, you have them send that out to 50 Facebook contacts in a direct message. And all of a sudden you have these people popping up out of the woodworks that you never would have thought of. They're saying, hey, you know what, that actually sounds like a cool job. Um, can I check it out? Um you know, a lot of people just post one ad on one site. I would post three. I would post one ad on three different sites. I would make it a sponsored ad. I would throw money at the problem uh, whenever possible. It's like a casting a wide net is really important um, for people that want to take this to another level, like building a join the team page right on your website. So not just using job boards, but actually like owning the real estate on your website where you're advertising for open positions that are available um, with clear job descriptions that sound good, right? That sell the role, that yeah. sell the business, not just this morbid description of demands, like which is how 90% of job postings are written. If you don't believe me, go check. Um, but actually like selling the role. And then if you really want to do a good job, hire a videographer, do a day of shooting where you're just, you're talking about the business and the vision that you have. Your key, your key employees are talking about why they love to work there. You get some good B-roll of people on sites actually fulfilling tasks. That sits at the top of this join the team page. And now you have this, your, your own little recruiting hub on your own site. Um, and then you can get at all sorts of cool stuff, paid ads, advertising through social media, um, and all of that pushes back to your recruiting page. So I, you know, I could ramble on for probably another two hours, like little things that you can yep. do. There's a lot. My point is like, try something. If it works, double down. If it doesn't go try something else. But this idea of just like hoping and praying um, is, is certainly is not working anymore. And I don't think it ever will again. So if you're just going to, if you're just going to kind of sit at that level of like recruiting effort and enthusiasm, um, I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but your, your days are numbered. All right, Benji. So when we're talking about, uh, you know, Chen and your, your current employees, uh, when you think about that, how important or how valuable is it that you're celebrating the successes of your current team, um, both professionally, um, personally, but to the world to celebrate that, uh, maybe via social media, those kind of things? Does that add um, the ability to maybe attract potential applicants to your um, mm -hmm. open jobs? I think it's a, a really good question and I think it matters probably a lot more than people um, people think that it does. I have this suspicion that a lot of contractors out there and you know maybe ones with a, a more old school mindset feel like you know it's too touchy feely or they didn't need to be recognized or acknowledged when they were slogging it out in the field and um so I so I kind of I kind of get where the reluctance to do this comes from, but I I, I just want to be clear: like people need to be acknowledged, they need to feel seen, they need to feel recognized. Um, despite all the stereotypes, like no, not everyone needs a trophy and an award. But if you can showcase the success and the growth, the good job that people are doing within your organization, um, it's 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 good for the the people it's good for your employer brand like the people checking you out online notice that as well um and and your customers see that too and i, I like a really simple way to do this we 
talk about this a lot with our members, our membership at Breakthrough Academy is like using your Instagram page, using your actual grid as a, um, as a showcase for how great your employees are. You use that as an employer brand tool to um, recognize employees of the month, to uh, recognize exceptional uh, work that people have done, promotions that are being awarded. Um, it's, it's almost like treated like this hub to essentially show the world um, your people. And when you, when you treat it, when you treat the tool that is Instagram like that, um, it's really unbelievable what it does to sort of like create your business as a talent magnet. It, it, it does it's not going to happen overnight, but, but six months down the road, people will be checking you out. People will be noticing. Um, and it really starts to shift the, the tide. It shifts the attitude, um, uh, that people have towards your business. It's, it's way more appealing. So I think it's, I think it's a hugely important piece. Yeah. I love how you talked about, you know, back in my day when we were just, we were just slogging it out. Slogging it out is a great phrase there. I love that. Um, but I, I think Benji, you and I, um, were, were maybe right at the millennials, but mm. we've all been in a position where we said, man, I did really great work there and no one told me like, and we've all yearned for that. And so I, I don't think that it's, it's a new thing. It's just become a more practice of acknowledging good work. Um, because even these, you know, older business owners, they've been in a position before in a role where they said, man, I don't even know if they noticed how great of a job I just did. And I promise it would have felt good to be acknowledged that when you think about, mm -hmm. you know, millennials and Gen Z, is there different ways to, to target them or different maybe messages to be targeting them with? Um, yeah, there, there are. And I feel like people really get this wrong a lot of the time. Like people, you sort of, um, people rely too heavily on, on like stereotypes or like these really characterized versions of, of like generations. And, and, um, you know, it's like, I, I say this a lot, like you are not trying to appeal to like the blue haired TikToker with a four second attention span. Like that's not who you're trying to get in your business. So if you're like, if you're frustrated by all these millennials and their goddamn phones and they can't like, Trust me, like that's not actually the person you're after in the first place. That's like a cartoon version that you're spending way too much time being frustrated over. There's thousands, millions of like mechanically minded 18 year olds right now quietly going about their life. That's who you're after. And so, um, yeah, like what appeals, what appeals to young people, um, uh, you know, a, a few, a few things. Okay. So I think what's really, really important to younger generations, we, we know this, um, there's a couple of really great books on it too. Um, uh, one's, one's called, uh, not everyone gets a trophy. I forget the name of the author. Another one's called, uh, managing millennials. Um, and the, like the few themes that really stood out to me was, um, uh, you know, younger generations, millennials who are She's somewhere between like 25 and 40 right now. And then Gen Z who are kind of teenage years all the way up to 25 roughly. Um, they're looking for, uh, they're looking for a, like a, an ascension plan 
And what I mean by that is they need to see visible growth opportunities. Your business needs to be able to communicate to the job market how even though you're starting as a technician, even though you're starting as a laborer, even though you're starting as a, a helper, whatever it is, um, you can very clearly articulate the path that a person goes through to get all the way up to operations manager or sales manager or some other sort of leadership level position in the business. So um, that needs to be like well thought through and designed like from a operations perspective, like you need to, to put some consideration into it as a business owner, but then you also need to find a way to communicate that well. I've seen this done exceptionally well by some of our members who've actually like built out documents that show all of the like all of the competencies, all of the skills that someone needs to have to move from one position to the next and, you know, what they need to see as leaders to give them a $3 an hour raise and move them up. So like that that visible growth opportunity thing is extremely important. No one wants a no one wants a a dead end job. Um, having a mission-based or purpose-driven company is really important. So it's it's not just like, well, we roof roofs or we mow lawns. It is like we, you know, we help protect our clients' most valuable asset, right? There's this is why having a why is so important. This is why having a purpose is so important. Um, you need to be able to show to the job market the mission that your business is on, uh, even if it is as simple as just like repairing people's homes, right? There's a way to spin that, um, t- to make that feel uh, like, it, it, like, like it has some deeper meaning. Um, so that's something that young people are really looking for. Like a fun company culture, like be a cool place to work, have barbecues, go out as a group. Um, uh, you know, I, th- I think having a, a lighthearted and easygoing and, and fun vibe about your office, about your job sites is really important. Um, the recognition thing that we talked about uh, already, really important. Um, another thing that's, that is key is like, f- is feeling a part of something bigger than themselves. So if you can show how, you know, the role that you're hiring for is a part of a larger system. It's a node in a larger network and they play a pivotal role within that system. That's a hugely important feeling that young people need to have. And the last thing I would, I would bring up to um, Michael is, is present leadership. Like, and I say that present leadership rather than absentee leadership. Like most young people want to work with their boss, with their managers. They want FaceTime with them. They want feedback. They want development. Um, so if that's if that's something that you do well um, as, as an entrepreneur, you, you're there for your guys. You, you, you support your crews. You're in the office every day. You're available and you're present. Make that clear in your job postings. Make that clear in your empl- in your employer brand. Because I can't tell you how many people are are looking at a job because they're just sick of you know the, the neglectful owner that they currently work with. So I think that present leadership piece is is another big one. So th- those are some things that appeal, I would say, to young people. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I'm going to give an example here, and then I want to talk a little retention. Um, but I think of Benny Fisher at Big Fish. And if you yeah. if you listen to the podcast, you see me on webinars quite a bit. But Benny's Benny's doing a lot of really good things. When you talk about present leadership, 
he's always going live from meeting rooms and conference rooms with his team and trainings with his team or on site with his team. And what a, what a way to display, Hey, you're going to have a present leader without coming out and just saying it in the job posting. Like, Oh, you're going to have a present leader. I'm like no better way than to leverage social media and show like, Hey, here, on the job site or here I am with my team in the war room and we're training and we're getting better. So um, that's just an example. But I, I want to talk a little bit about retention because I, I think really the, the big thing that we're as contract right now is there are a lot of great companies out there and there are a lot of companies that are having that growth mindset and creating that great culture. And so you're, you're not just up against the other guy that roofs like, well, yeah, I roof roofs over here and you roof roofs over there, but that's all we do is roof. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, now there's companies in your, in your market that are creating that great culture and do have that clear path to growth in their company. Maybe they even have, you know, roles of like, Hey, technology is now a new thing and I don't quite understand technology. So, I have a technology champion on my team or I have, Mm -hmm. you know, a culture champion or a people's whatever it is. Important is that to a retention standpoint, because I think that's, that's truly the bigger problem here. Like hiring is, is a huge problem, but if we can just retain the vast majority of our team, that makes the hiring piece a lot easier because we're not having Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's if your if your business is a bucket and there's a really big hole at the bottom, doesn't matter how quickly you're trying to fill it up. There's, you know, the analogy being if there's people always leaving, <laughs> it's a lot more work on the front end to fill those holes. So, yeah, it's 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 an incredibly important metric. Um, and what's the question? You're just wondering, like, what what my thoughts are on how to do that well, how to keep your people. Yeah. Well, just basically like talking through like how value you just talked about, you know, like making them feel part of a bigger thing, those kind of things. Yeah, it is great for attracting the talent, but -hmm. I would argue that it probably plays as big, if not a larger role on the back end for retaining that great talent. Oh, totally. It does. Yeah, totally. It does. Everything that I just said, right. Between like visible growth opportunities and, and be purpose driven and have a fun company culture and recognize your people and have present leadership, all that stuff. Like, that is that is uh, equally as important to keep people for the long haul where where it's actually that's why you do it is is for the company culture that people want to be a part of what i'm saying is just do that first and then do a really good job showcasing it in your recruiting efforts and that's that's the that's the window that people want to look through and go holy crap this is a really cool place yeah um, people don't generally leave jobs for you know, we, we know this, right? It's almost a cliche to say, like, people don't generally leave jobs for a couple dollars an hour or more. They say they do. Like, that, that's what they'll tell you. Well, the money was better. Um, but that's, that's kind of a cover-up. Like, generally speaking, people leave bosses more than they leave roles. They leave jobs. Um, and so I, I just think it, it's imperative if you want to do this for the long haul, like, you need to create a place that people – want to stay give people interesting challenges that they have a deep curiosity to solve um give them development and growth opportunities that they can't find elsewhere um 
you know, load up their plates with responsibilities, like, like, like get them involved, get them off the bench and actually playing like in the game, playing on the field um, where the score is being counted. And and you'll just find like this, this level of buy-in um, to the mission is, is way more than a $2 an hour raise could achieve. So that, that's kind of, that's kind of my take on it. Everyone's going to say like, Oh, it's, it's so tight. And I lost my, foreman because this other guy would pay him more i actually would make the case that nine times out of ten that's 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 a cover story more than it is the actual reason that someone left the business i i could not agree more with that statement i did some research for another project i'm doing with employee retention and the numbers i found for the contracting world is uh retirement is basically the same percentage of people leaving a job as pay as they are both like in that eight to nine percent. And I would also say that that cover story is probably more from the owner's perspective than even the employees, because a lot of these companies aren't even doing exit interviews. So they're just going on the presumption that like, yeah, they left because they can make more money. And that other company, Benji, they're not going to make it though, because they're just paying way too much. They don't even know their overhead, you know, all of those things when it's truly, it's not, it's, um, Last thing kind of on this topic, you mentioned, you know, one of your clients had built out some Um, We're going to have some awesome resources available from BTA in this, uh, in the notes of this um, episode here. Um, any, any thoughts, like anything they need to know, especially on those, um, just open the docs up and run with them. No, let me give you a quick a quick overview. So uh, what we're giving you is sort of a a like these are called contractor quick tools. Uh, we've developed them here at Breakthrough Academy as like just just it's ten of them. We're going to give you three for this episode, and this is very specifically like a hiring bundle. So uh, what it is going to be is an example. Um, a template and then a how-to video explaining you how to build the system. And the, th- the, the three or four actually that we're, we're going to be included is um, an ideal candidate profile and then a job posting like template in one of them. Uh, there's going to be an interview setup call framework in another, and then there will be a, a behavioral interviewing guide in the third. If you open these up, you watch the how-to video, you give it a scan, it's, it's pretty intuitive. You'd be like, oh, I see how this fits. But basically what we're trying to give you are some fundamental building blocks to start creating the hiring funnel that your business um, more than likely needs. So just just click, download, open them up, play around for a few minutes, give them a try. Um you know, in the pursuit of your next hire and, and you'll, you'll be glad you did. They make life very easy. That's awesome. Uh, I know you talk about that, you know, not starting with a blank slate is always so nice. And I think we've all been there where it's, I know I need to put something together and I have a blank, uh, Google doc here and I have no clue what to do. So I hate blank word documents. Yeah. (laughs) I never want someone to deal with that. They're the worst. So yeah, Benji, let's let's end this or wrap this up with a, a walk off uh, shot here. And essentially, I want to I want to get to or drill down on why does it make sense to invest time and money on the front end of this hiring process because of what you know on the back end that it costs or how much it does cost to replace a, a an employee? Because I think sometimes they get caught 
I don't have the time or the money or I just have to get this done now. And in six months, they're replacing that employee. And then in another six months, they're replacing that that employee's replacement. Um, so maybe just speak to why it, why it makes sense to invest time in here. Um, well, there, there, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different answers to that. There's sort of like a, a philosophical angle. There's a practical angle. There's a, there's a financial angle. I'll, I'll, I'll try to touch on all of them. Um, you know, you as a contractor for the very foreseeable future are going to be running a human driven business. You know, there's a lot of talk around AI and robots and blah, blah, blah. And I've heard both. I've heard all arguments to this. I come down on the side of we are probably a few decades away from uh, robots roofing houses. And I would you could make the case that it's even longer. And when that happens, there's still going to need to be people like involved with that process. So you run a human-driven business fundamentally, and you will for a long time yet. If you're not doing everything you can to solve this issue, which most people claim is the biggest problem in their business, um, you might as well get out of this right now because it isn't going to get any easier. You're going to—it's just—it's probably going to get harder, and you're just going to have to adapt. Um, uh, so that's just sort of like a big picture reason. Um, as far as the dollars and cents go, you know, I find people are cheap in the wrong places. It's like. Oh, I don't want to spend two hundred dollars on on Indeed. Like they're just taking my money. It's like, man, who cares? In the grand scheme of your business, the value of a good employee is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, if they're there for a long time. If you're like nickel and diming over these small little things at the front end to get a good person in the door, um, you are you are what's the expression you're like you're fussing over the pennies while the dollars walk out the door yep so it's like you just you you need to understand how significant a part of your business this is be okay paying more than your competitors be okay spending money on videographers and graphic designers and web developers um if you're a big enough company to afford a recruiter find a good one and spend money on this I don't know what is more important than acquiring talent. I know that there's a lot of things on the P there's a lot of items on, a, on the P and L of any contracting business, but given how important and how pivotal talent is, um, don't, don't be cheap over the wrong things and, and realize that um, a, a good employee, the ROI on them is many, many, many multiples um, of what you spent to find them. Right, that's what they bring to the business, and a bad employee, right? What they co- what it costs to lose them, the damage they do on the way out, the hurt to the brand, the cost to replace them—that um, is many, many, many multiples of what it costs to hire and pay them. So it's like this is a very leveraged point in a business. Um, don't be cheap on the wrong things. Absolutely, I, I. I wanted to say it. I let you say it. I, I couldn't agree more with that statement. Uh, it's, you know, and, and there's stats out there that say it costs 30 to 50% employee's salary to replace them. And if you think about that, oh, totally. And, and that's, that's a wild thing. So you're, you're talking about like, what is a good employee worth? It's also important to understand what's it going to cost to replace an employee, not even necessarily a good one, but like, 
to get one of them replaced and up to speed. So Benji, this was, this was awesome. I, I could sit and talk with, uh, you and the team from Breakthrough Academy for hours. Again, we'll get those resources um, shared out to all these listeners. Um, but really, a- with us today, and uh, those of you that joined us for this conversation, I hope you got a lot of a lot of really insightful nuggets from it. So, thank you all, and we will see you next time. I'm gonna give a big shout out again. Thank you, Benji Carlson, for jumping in on the Contractors Playbook. Uh, Check out some of his content with Breakthrough Academy. He actually had our CEO, Luke Hansen, uh, a little while back on that show. Always great to talk with him. I hope you guys got some great nuggets of insight on the job market, the hiring market out there right now. We will be back soon with more content. Peace.